this time on episode 368 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We discuss all of Punisher Season 2, weekly Marvel news, including a wrap-up of the December 2020 Disney Investor Day announcements, why Avengers Endgame isn't number one anymore, and news about Chloe Bennett's non-quake future, and we talk about your feedback. I'm Stephen John Drew from Better Podcasting, a podcast about podcasting, part of the Gunna Geek Network. Just like the show you're checking out now, shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find fantastic geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Consultant Chris. And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. The show is recorded on Sunday, March 14th, 2021, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast New York City-wide via www.geeks.live. Come and join our live chat as we record. Gang, happy National Pie Day. Yay, math. Well, see, I just want to eat pie now. Now you got me thinking about math. The other Chris on the network, by the way, put a meme in our Discord server, which you can find at guineageek.com slash Discord, and it basically said that pie day was made up by mathematicians to sell more math. Mm, no, I don't believe it. I don't believe it either. But, you know, it's a stereotypical like Hallmark holiday where it was just designed to sell more greeting cards or something like that. So it, that was what they were trying to do. I didn't buy it, though. On the other hand, any excuse for pie is a good one. I was just going to say that. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Michelle, are you celebrating with any actual pie today? No, I don't have any pie and I don't have a reason to build something that's a circle. Darn. I had a little bit of cheesecake for lunch, so can we call that pie? Why not? Okay. Sure. We'll go with that. All right, so wherever you are, I hope you've had a great pie day. Pie, of course, is 3.14, yada, 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 and it's March 14th, so 3 slash 14 or 3.14. That is why it's pie day, P-I instead of P-I-E. Of course, there's all sorts of in-betweens back and forth between the two. So you celebrate Pi Day however you want. In the meantime, let's get on with the rest of the show. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes. Because of Manspread. If you'd like to talk to us about Manspread, you can catch us on our website, legendsofshield.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. You want to leave a comment on our Facebook page about how Michelle basically just stumped me into saying manspread. You can catch us on Facebook at Legends of Shield Podcast. You can share your thoughts about manspread with us on Twitter at Legends of Shield. Please leave us a comment about manspreading, I guess, on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash gonna geek and make it family appropriate, please. You can tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of Shield skill. You can join our Discord server, as I said before, at guineageek.com slash Discord. 
And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the GunnerGeek.com network. First of all, I want to formally, I know we went through our whole spiel, but I want to formally welcome Chris back to the podcast. Chris, you are waffles on the Discord server for those that are there, and you have your own podcast, which you said is on hiatus right now. Yes, that's actually as of today. So if you're a little bit behind, you've got a ways to go to catch up. But I need to get into a new house and stuff needs to jump on with that. So Play Comics, it's not completely on a hiatus, but the production is being really slowed down. Basically to edit episodes before the wife wakes up on the weekend. Okay, so you said a couple of important things there. You are the host of Play Comics, which is on the Guinea Geek Network. What is that show about? That is a show where I grab a guest and we look at video games based on comic properties and how well they represent that source material. So I'm not really caring whether the game is good or not. I'm caring whether the game is a good representation of the comic. Okay. So if you like video gaming and comic books and like the crossover between the two, that is the show to go listen to. Also, you mentioned something else that's interesting. You are going into a new house, which is actually why you're here is because Lauren is going into a new house. She allegedly closed just a couple of days ago and is in the moving process. So we needed a third and I couldn't think of anybody that was better to come on to the show today than you for our topic today. So thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for that. And I was talking to her a little bit earlier about how much packing is a horrible experience. It is. It is. As somebody who's moved many kids over the last few years, yes, it is horrible. And I can't wait to not move my house because that's going to even be more horrible. Anyway, so thank you very much, Chris. And for those long listeners of the show, Lauren will be back in the future. I don't know how many weeks she's going to be off. She doesn't know how many weeks she's going to be off. We're guessing at least a couple, but she will be back in the future. In the meantime, Michelle and Chris, are you guys ready to talk about Punisher? Sure. It's got to happen sometime, right? Let's get it over with. Rip off that bandaid. Here we go. Punisher Season 2 was published to Netflix on January 18th, 2019, in the old style of streaming shows where you would binge it all in one weekend. Uh, I didn't watch it until the last couple of weeks, so it's been a couple of years. Winch in Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. background is actually pretty decent. We're just over that two-year mark. I think we're doing good. Once we get to the three-year mark, I'm like, Ugh. And I might add that we've only got one more netflix defenders show and then we'll be done with being so far behind with content because we're current with the disney plus content the creator and showrunner for both seasons of the punisher was steve lightfoot who also was an executive producer on other shows like hannibal and i just want to point out the stunt coordinators and fight coordinators that was on imdb for this series because it was so stunt heavy So the stunt coordinators are listed as Tom Williams, who was nominated for an award, Eric Linden, Joe Fiddler, and Danny LaBoyer, and the fight coordinators were listed as Evan Dane Taylor and David Conk. I think they all deserve recognition on this show because, well, there were a lot of stunts. So, okay, we've done that. Also, I will note, we do have all the directors and writers of all of the 13 episodes. I will put those in the show notes. We're not going to run them all down here. I do just want to point out one, 
Sally Richardson Whitfield, who was the director of episode nine. She was the actor from Eureka that has also transitioned over to the production side of the house. A lot like Robert Duncan McNeil did with Voyager. He's now big into the directing and producing across the show. So I just wanted to point her out there. No reason why I just picked her amongst everybody else other than I like Eureka. All right, let's move on with the generalities of season two of Punisher. Michelle, what are your initial impressions going into this discussion? What was the point? Why is anyone doing this? Why should I care? And I, yeah, just to spoil everything, I actually will rate this below Iron Fist too. So now you know, now you're going to get a preview of how I feel about this show. Okay. Okay. That's, that's all fair. I think the point of this is that Netflix and Marvel thought that there was such a resounding welcoming for season one that they decided to go ahead and renew for season two at about the same time that everything in the Netflix Defender series was winding down. So this ended up being one of the, of the last Defender shows. I think that's the answer to your question in short, but we'll be getting into a lot more of that discussion. Chris, let's hear your short synopsis going into season two here. It was just a lot of filler. And I think that they kind of got stuck on, we need to make a 13 episode season. And so that's what they did. And I think it really would have been better if they had just done a couple short seasons or, you know, maybe half a season looking at the pilgrim and half a season looking at jigsaw. Yeah. That gets into a whole comment on too many villains and they're really, I'll, I have a rundown of how many villains there were here. I don't have a rundown on body count. I know a lot of, shows and articles that cover the Punisher do a body count. I did not do a body count and I quite frankly don't want to talk about it. Just there's a lot of bodies in the season. So there you go. You mentioned something interesting that there was a lot of filler. I said you don't have time to watch the entire season. You haven't already and you just want to get a sense on the Punisher. Watch the opening scene and then watch the last 25 minutes of episode 13. You're caught up. That's all you need to know. Just go forward from there. You do miss a couple of things one of which is karen's appearance but you could go back i guess and and watch that that's forward through the scenes that she's not in and it's only the one episode in the hospital there anyway so that's why i think of it i watched it on the treadmill we've been talking about it in the post-credit scenes for the last few weeks i watched it on the treadmill i did not watch it sped up on the treadmill i did watch it sped up at three times when i was doing show notes later so there's your flip there and uh, yeah, I am glad that we're moving forward to Jessica Jones next. Michelle, you watched it at a faster speed, right? Now, I watched it because I was doing show notes at the same time. I would fluctuate between 1.5 to two times. For those of you who know me, I usually watch when I'm doing show notes, I watch them at regular speed when it was WandaVision. I was watching the episodes two or three times when I was doing Legion. It was two or three times this doing show notes. And I'm just like, I am falling asleep. There's nothing going on. Let's just speed this up. And yeah, I'm so glad technology. Let's just say every time Frank had a cup of coffee, as I was watching it, I had a cup of coffee. That's how much I had to 
drink to get through it. Chris, did you watch it at normal speed? I think you watched it right when it came out the first time around. I thought I did, but then we started rewatching it again, and I guess we didn't. Okay. This was your first time through, huh? This was essentially my first time through, and I didn't realize that I could speed it up, but I did skip like six episodes in the middle of the season. And once I got like 10 minutes into episode 10, which is where I picked it back up, I stopped feeling like I had missed anything. So we, I think we need to clarify when you're watching like on a TV device, you're screwed because you can only watch it at normal speed. If you watch it through a browser that has a plugin that you can speed up video, then you can speed it up. Okay. I don't feel so bad about not knowing that then. Yeah, it's when we're doing show notes, we're usually watching it on our computers. So we're able to speed it up using the plugins that are available. And there's quite a few out there. But yeah, anyway, I'm guess we're all of the same ilk. So let's talk about what was right and what was wrong. Michelle, let's talk about some of your issues first, right? So let's talk about Billy, I guess. Let's start there. So Billy's in the hospital. He claims to not remember what's going on. He's wearing the mask. Madani is obsessed with him. And for some reason, she ignores going to therapy and is drinking and can't move on. I mean, yes, she got shot in the head, but it's been a year. You were such an interesting character in season one. Why are you being reduced to this obsessive, incompetent? person and then oh don't get me started about oh the therapist oh for those of you who are first-time listeners perhaps i do not shy away from the fact that i have a mental illness i have bipolar disorder depression and social anxiety and that therapist gives therapists all the wrong names and things you that is not a good therapist you do not fall for your patient you do not help them escape you do not help them commit murder (laughs) you are the worst therapist ever (laughs) one in a long line it's just i have actually i have it twice in my show notes i actually have don't get me started about the therapist and then later on it says no really don't get me started about the therapist because and then i just I understood him bonding with the other vets. I thought that was interesting. I understand because I've had to watch my cousin's son come back from Afghanistan and, and adjust back to quote unquote normal life. And when you've seen combat and you've come back, I just seen him in real life. That is quite the adjustment. But where was that going? Because it was him. And then we're going to talk about the other villains, but there wasn't enough time. It's so weird. Like we said, there's so much filler, but not enough time was actually spent developing this line of the show. For the record, I did not ask about the therapist. I was not going to ask about the therapist. I saw it in the show notes twice, and I was going to avoid that by all means necessary and figured you would bring it up at some point. So I- You asked me about Billy. You can't talk about Billy without talking about that therapist. There's a pause there because this is a clean podcast. Okay. Chris, can you give us some background on Jigsaw there? I mean, Jigsaw in the show is just 
it's weird. Like I could never pick up on whether they were trying to have him actually forget about things or not. And granted, part of that is probably because I skipped some episodes, but I just got such a Harley Quinn Joker vibe from him and the therapist. I know we're going back there, but then, you know, just the way he was continually going after Punisher, he just, I couldn't figure out if he had the single mindedness to go and take out Frank or if he was trying to get his life back together. And it's like they couldn't make up their mind on what they wanted to do. I think Curtis said it best within the series that Billy just likes settling scores. And that's what his whole character motivation was. He also liked money and it drove him to do some really wrong things over the course of the last two seasons. So I I think that's basically Billy's motivation in this show. We've mentioned that there are too many villains. So let's run down all of the villains here. You have the Schultz parents. You have the Russians, and not just singular Russian or a Russian group or gang. You have three. You have the Konchevsky, you have Nikolai Polonese, you have Kazan, and I know they're intermingled, but they appear as three different groups. So you have that. You have Billy and Billy's gang. It's in the Valhalla. You have Arthur Walsh, who is the volunteer that Billy goes after later. John Pilgrim, that's a whole other discussion that we will get to. You have Clive with the underage porn. I went into IMDb to make sure I got the name right. Clive, that is kind of an interesting name for what he was doing. And you have all of the various bounty hunters that were after both of those for their $5 million bounty, both of Amy and Punisher for that. So there was just a lot of villains. There wasn't like one side versus another there's like 10 sides all going after each other and oh by the way you throw the law enforcement in there and there's not just one law enforcement you've got the new york city police you've got homeland security you've got this homeland this the sheriff right this country sheriff out in the middle of ohio and his little small band out there all separated and you have characters by the way in this entire series that pop up once and that's it and you're like well what was the point did you just Put them in there just to get from plot point A to plot point B. There was no condensed storyline that went the whole way through. And if there was, I completely missed it because I was distracted by the two dozen different villains out there. So, yeah. Yeah. When I did show notes, I actually had to go to IFDB and go, I think these are different actors, but okay. What upset? me because too many villains the main villains ended up being the schultzes because they hired the russians and other we'll get into pilgrim because the schultzes and pilgrims involved with that apparently they're this force to be reckoned with i guess they have media they're supposed to be conservative i think they're supposed to be some sort of Oh, like the Koch brothers or with Fox News or with something like that. And they're worried because their son's gay and they want to protect their own image because, oh, my goodness, our adult son, who's a senator, kissed another man and we're ultra conservative and we can't have that. That seems to be. But we don't get a sense of just how powerful they are. They have a small little town and that's it. We learn like episode 10 or something that they're this big force to be reckoned with and they have all this money 
why didn't we see that? They had two interesting actors playing them. Why couldn't we see just their corporations, their influence on the media? We didn't see any of that. We saw they have a big house and they run a small town and they have a senator for a son. What's the big deal? I don't because we don't know how big and powerful they are. I really didn't understand why are we risking our lives for these pictures? He kissed the guy. Whatever. Just he kissed the guy. That's what the picture is. It's not porn. They didn't get him with like porn. At first, I'm like going, oh my God, is he like a pedophile? Is he this? Like, or something? Like, do they want to cover up him being a criminal? Like, okay, that's high stakes. You end up, he's just kissing a guy. That's why all these people died because their son, there's a picture of their son kissing a guy, adult, an adult with an adult. Oh no. I mean, the shock and horror of that, right? And it's, it was only a few years ago. I, I really wonder if they would have been able to pull off doing that kind of storyline now. Cause I don't think so. No, I don't think so. So this came out in 2019, early 2019, as I mentioned before and i don't think the storyline holds up but i hate to say it but i it goes to poor storyboarding or poor writing is what i would say because this whole thing just doesn't hold up now you mentioned the actors before before we get too far down the road i want to say the acting was amazing for the content that they were provided across the board the acting across the board in the series was really good maybe a couple of singular performance along the way but every scene, the actors were able to carry their weight through the whole thing. And the Schultzes, as we were talking about before, Corbin Bernstein was Anderson Schultz, who has a total of 250 acting credits to his name, which is pretty high. I personally took half the season before I recognized who he was. I was like, oh, that's who it was. Why did I recognize who it was? I'm old school. I watched LA Law back in the day, so that's how I know him from. Funny enough, by the way, the one scene that I really remember from Corbin in LA Law, he is getting into his Porsche and he has golf clubs on his Porsche and we see him at the uh, the driving range in this. So golf is a big thing with Corbin, I guess. He's also in Major League and I know he has a lot of other credits. I did not watch Psych. Did either of you two watch Psych? Yes, and you should. Okay. So he was in that. He's a very well-known actor and he's just aged to the point where I'm like, wow, you know, this is not the Corbin from his Star Trek that he had one appearance on Star Trek in the next generation, by the way, and not LA Law. And then Annette O'Toole played his wife, Eliza Schultz, who is the real villain in all this, if you ask me. She was Lana Lang in Superman 3. It took me a while to actually recognize who she was from. That was in 1983, by the way. And then she also played Martha Kent in Smallville. I don't know how many appearances she had, but that was another known appearance of hers. So two actors that have been in the genre before for a lot of years and have had a lot of credits to them. I think they pulled off their scenes. Great. But yes, I would have loved to have seen. I got the sense maybe the Waltons, you know, the Walmart Waltons, maybe. I don't know. I I was just trying to stretch and try to place them in what they would be in terms of major influences on our economy. But you're right. We did not see them, Michelle. Uh, There was the other villains that are down the Russians. So the Punisher and the Russians is a big thing because the Punisher is Cold War soldier 
hates the commies sort of thing. So we had the Russians in there. Maybe that was why they were thrown in there so much, but I just didn't. Okay. You had the Russians that were going to try to control this U S Senator because he was going to be president. Okay. I kind of get that, especially considered what we were going through at the time in the, um, in the common press. But let's talk a little about, about David Schultz. He's a U.S. senator from the state of New York. That is a high-profile position. He wasn't in D.C. He was not fundraising. He wasn't in the public. He was alone in his own apartment or office. He wasn't even surrounded by staff. Really? That high-profile of a position, you're never alone. And he was always alone to the point where Frank could come in and kidnap him. I mean, really? I was at least expecting other people to be in the apartment, even if they let him be in the room by himself. Just the fact that Frank could get in there that easily really surprised me. I mean, I get that you're alone from time to time, like maybe on a Sunday morning or something like that. But even in politics, Sunday morning, that's huge with like the news circuit, right? You want to be on those national news shows and you, you want to be strategizing and that sort of thing. I mean, yeah, even senators, you have to understand, even. Senator Mitch McConnell, people are, they protest in front of his house. It's, it's like, that is just, yeah, it was just, really? That's a lot of the show. Really? I didn't have any problems with David being a U.S. Senator. I could care less about his sexual preference or the issues that they were having during the show. I have an issue with how they were treating a U.S. Senator. That's yeah. where I have a problem with. Just want to make that clear to our listeners that might think otherwise. But okay, I uh, got that off my chest. There's going to be a lot of getting stuff off my chest in here. So Amy, she was just a prop the entire time. I know we got a little bit of character progression, but she was literally just the reason for the Punisher to go around and destroy things from episode one all the way through episode 13. And that was it. There's many different tests in screenwriting, and one of them is called the lamp test. And the lamp test is if you can take a character out of a scene and actually put their dialogue or their purpose on a post-it note and put it on the lamp and it doesn't change the scene, then you obviously have poor writing. It really did not matter who that person was. It could have been her. It could have been a guy named Jose, it could have been, I don't know, it could have just been a St. Bernard with pictures in his collar. It really didn't matter at all who this person was. It was such a stretch to get them together. That's part of the problem. They're, they meet randomly. He kidnaps her. This is like, I mean, she, yes, lies and doesn't want help, but for some reason he there's those cool bar fight scenes forces himself to help her. You know, that was really uncomfortable in so many ways. And then she ends up stealing from Adani and whatever. It didn't matter who she was. He could have been dragging around a lamp and it still would have been the same show. Yeah. I got the idea that they were maybe trying to go for a Wolverine, Laura Kenny type deal. I mean, if that's what they were going for, they just really failed with it. So I hope that's just me reading into things. My one point of identity with Amy was the fact that she wanted to go into Marine Salvage. And that sounds cool to me. So way to go, Amy. I hope you did 
you know, it's it's been a couple of years. So Head Cannon says she got her certification. She's out there doing marine salvage in the Caribbean. Unfortunately, there's a lot of hurricanes that occur in the Caribbean have been lately. So there's a lot of boats that get affected, catamarans, sailboats, that sort of thing that need to be salvaged. So I'm just thinking that, you know, she finally got into that. Maybe she finds some treasure that way. Anyway, you brought up Mandani. I'm going to talk about Mandani. She is the special agent in charge of Homeland Security for New York City. We don't see her office once. Not once. I mean, we see her crime lab, but we don't see her. I mean, really? She's the special agent. She's in charge in New York. And we don't see any other Homeland Security anything except for the lab tech who is really weird and strange. I'm relatively okay with not seeing her office. But we also didn't even really see her do much of anything besides go harass people in the hospital. And talk to the CIA. I mean, that's about it. You know, if if you're in charge of Homeland Security for an area like that, you are going to have things to do. So who is doing her job for her and how do I get her job? Well, remember, eventually she does leave Homeland Security and go work for the CIA. So there must have been something there like, uh, okay, you're on your way out. Let's, uh, whatever. Also, from being the special agent in charge of New York City, she had precious little security in her front door. I mean, it was a big front door, but there was no extra locks on it. and There was no peephole or anything like that. So it's like, hmm, I wonder how Billy got in there so easily. Maybe it's because you don't have any security to begin with. And how come you don't have text alerts on your credit card? Like you should have just been able. I do. I don't know if any of you do. I have like two step authentication or like if something happens with my car to get like a ding and I can be like, did you do this? And I'm like, no, I get to report that right away. You're in charge of Homeland Security. You should have known right away that she took your credit card and spent too much. And talking about actors or characters that just come in and then go nowhere, Beth. Beth was actually a A-list actor, Alexa Davalos, who was the lead actor, basically, for Man in the High Castle over on Amazon Prime. Julia was her name there. She was also in the Chronicles of Riddick. She comes in for episode one, gets shot, you know, has a little liaison with Frank slash Pete, whatever you want to call it. And then she get, ends up getting shot in the bar fight, and then we don't see her again. There's a hospital scene with Pilgrim, but that's it. I would think that if you were doing any sort of continuity, you would at least have Frank running by the town later on to make sure that Beth and Sam were okay. But that was it. That's all we saw. And the sheriff and the entire staff from Lakeville, Ohio, they were just involved in this huge gunfight for one episode. And that was it. And that's all you saw. It's not like the trip to Kentucky that we had. I believe it was Kentucky that we had in season one where Frank and everybody else was going after the one witness who was out there. I mean, there was a reason to go out there. There wasn't really a reason for everybody to be in Lakeville except for go after Amy. And it just didn't fit. There was too many people there that were out of the story. Anyway, I have issues with that. And I guess you guys are kind of the same. So let's move on to the Pilgrim. I have no sympathy whatsoever for the Pilgrim. And at the end of the series, at the end of the season, his wife is dead because of cancer. That was going to happen no matter what. But he gets to get his boys and take off with the boys. I 
think that the boys would have been way better off if dad was never in the picture again. That's my input because he's such a psycho. He's such a bad guy. It's like, yeah, I know you love your kids, but you should not be around them. I mean, the only defense I can come up with is he was pretty manipulated into getting that way, which doesn't change the fact that he's turned into a psycho and there's no way he's going to be a good dad. Well, I think he was a psycho to begin with. I mean, that was the whole flashback series that we got. Like he had done something bad and the wife, Rebecca, was stabilizing him. And that's what got him out to wherever. I still don't know where that was. Was it New York? Was it Ohio? Who knows? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Nothing in the show matters. <laughs> Fair enough. So anyway, I think he was a psycho the whole way through. He was involved in that white supremacist group, which I didn't even mention before in the list of villains, right? I guess you could call them part of the bounty hunters, but it was a whole separate group that John Pilgrim was intervening with because that's where he came from with the tattoos and everything, the white supremacist tattoos. Yes, all bad guys. I get it. And and I'm glad that they were all taken care of in the end. But Pilgrim, I don't have any sympathy whatsoever. I think he should have been taken out at the end because he's now like Frank running around doing stuff. Yeah. You know, first it's okay. I get it. You're white supremacist. You leave. You try to make amends by becoming part of this community and you marry and she's all like, I forgive you and you're going to find redemption through me. Then she gets cancer. And then the Schultzes are like, they're aware of his violent past. And so they're like, well, we're paying for your wife's cancer treatment. So you better go kill people for us. And because we tell you God's, you know, on your side, it's okay. Guess what? It's not. And the whole Frank letting him have his boys all because they're having this epic fight. And then Frank learns that he's a dad. And it's just, I get it, Frank. You lost your kids. I grief is awful and you're not going to get over it. I understand that. But to let a violent person who basically almost has disassociative properties, like because of the whole reality, which reality am I living at this moment? I'm not a professional. I don't want to be like diagnostic here. You know, you let him go with his kids because of your, but yet, you just brutalize all these other people. You killed all these other men who probably were fathers. You killed that one Russian guy who was a father or something like he got died or whatever. You kill all these other people who probably are fathers. But this one guy that you happen to meet and he tells you to your face, I'm a dad. And you're like, okay, I'll let you go. Yeah. Just a clarifying point. There was a lot of people Frank killed. And a lot of Russians Frank killed, but the three leading Russian guys, he did not kill. Other people killed, like Pilgrim killed Nikolai. Dima was killed by Pilgrim. And I believe Kazan was also killed by Pilgrim. So Pilgrim was the one who killed the Russians. Frank did not. Well, he still killed a whole bunch of other people, Russian or not. I mean, throughout this, yeah, throughout yeah, this did. series. So they were dads. They were. Uh, somebody who did not kill a lot of people was our beloved Detective Sergeant Mahoney. Yes. Poor guy. Poor guy. He was just stuck trying to do his job. He had no idea that he was stuck in this Marvel comic 
universe, which is vigilante, and he was not going to win no matter what. He's just so short-sighted about the whole thing that he's just not going to get his way until the very end when they're sitting there in Curtis's basement looking at the body of Billy going, hmm, I guess Dina did put five belts in him. And it's like, what about Frank? And they just both look at him, both Curtis and, and Dina look at him like, who? I'm like, okay. Or Mahoney. I don't know if we're going to see him in Jessica Jones or not, but he's largely from the Daredevil universe and he did a lot of great things over there he enabled a lot of the um of the positive things i would say out of the last season at daredevil and he's just whatever he did here it just that did not work also i want to want to ask you guys a question did he ever get his gun back that frank took from him? i don't think he did i don't think so either it was mentioned and then this is another i think poor writing he mentions it like frank takes the gun he mentions it later at the very least, as he's walking away, he should have said something like, I'm never going to get my gun back now or something like that. Close the loop there, but he just didn't. I guess it just didn't matter. Also talking about stuff that never got back, Frank lost his wedding ring in the fight in the bar in the very first episode. John Pilgrim picked it up. I don't think Frank ever got that back. Don't think so either. Could be a little bit of headcanon there. Maybe Pilgrim gave it back to me. Okay. Uh, the Defenders. Let's over the defenders side to talk about karen i was actually shocked michelle to see karen in this series because i didn't think we were going to get her i maybe speculated that we might have I don't, I don't remember if i did or not but she came in halfway through the season and we see her interact with frank i'm kind of glad it went the way it did there was nothing but a split shared moment between the two because karen does not deserve frank frank's trouble at least she deserves to be happy i think but doesn't deserve frank's trouble what did you think about Karen's appearance? I thought it was one of those things where it's like, hey, remember Punisher is a spinoff of Daredevil. You liked Karen in the first season. Let's put her in one episode just to satisfy you. Yeah, I think that's about it. Chris, anything else? I was really excited when the dude down in the morgue only wanted her shoes because that is not what I was thinking he wanted. No, I thought it was other things yeah i thought it was more adult things yeah i was like oh my gosh i can't believe karen's doing this but then when you see him walking out with the corpse as he's walking out with her shoes you're like oh okay ed i believe his name is yeah ed crazy ed or something like that anyway i was glad about that and then also uh, i guess the last character to really talk about anything curtis we haven't mentioned him specifically all the dude was trying to do was do his right and he gets caught up in all these things he ends up killing a guy along the way it's kind of a tragic story for curtis because he's caught in between his buddies and he's made a decision from the get-go that he wants to kill billy and he just gets involved in it it was just really difficult to watch curtis having to deal with the situation with frank I was happy he lived. And made the decision to save David, I guess, right? Yeah. All right. So I've got a couple of things here. First of all is the list of fights. I wanted to do the top 10 fights, but I created the top 11 fights. And you guys can uh, disagree with me on the, uh, the level here. But I did put an honorable mention, and I put an honorable mention for a reason. It was in episode 9 when it was the fight at Chantel's apartment. Chantel was the friend of Amy. And she turned them in for the money, right? Or portion of the, 
the, the money, the five million dollars. But Amy ends up, she didn't technically kill somebody, but she did shoot to kill somebody. So I, I'm going to put that in as the honorable mention for top 11 right there. And uh, Frank did kill the guy. I mean, put him down, but it was a short fight. There wasn't much to it. There was a little stairwell action, a little through the door action. That's number 11. So number 10, I will say is the midpoint of the season. Actually, it was at the end of episode seven and the beginning of episode nine. It was the robbery of the cash advance store. I think it was cash advance store, whatever that was. And it was the street gunfight and the car chase after the cash advance robbery. So that's number 10. Number nine would be the car chase escape from the hospital. Now, this is Pilgrim going after the ambulance that is driven by Mahoney and Frank handcuffed in the back. So there wasn't a lot of fighting. There was a little car chasing, and then there was a little of gunplay at the end with Madani and Pilgrim. But I didn't think it was epic or anything. It was just a notable fight in the series. This is interesting. Given all the other fights that happened, the epic fight that happened at the end outside the trailer, and I watched it twice, was the Pilgrim and the Punisher fight at the end. It was the climatic fight. It was the last fight of the series. There was some hard hits. There was some metal being thrown around, but they were so tired, which I think is actually appropriate because they both had gone through hell at that point, that the fight really didn't last all that long. And they didn't incredibly maul each other. So I'm going to put that as number eight. You guys have any disagreements with that? No, that sounds about right. Just nothing too remarkable about it. Okay. So number seven, I'm going to say it's the fight at Pilgrim's Hotel. This was the fight where the Punisher actually ends up going through the wall in between the two rooms after the Pilgrim had shot up the wall with like 50 different weapons and stuff. And so the Punisher just came through the wall. I just thought that was a little bit epic. And then it followed on with a not Winter Soldier elevator fight epicness, but it was an elevator fight with three cops. So that is number seven. Number six was the fight. And it's actually two different fights, but I'm just going to call it one. It was in between episode 12 and episode 13. It was the Dr. Dumont and Billy Russo fights against Madani in Dumont's apartment figured that that was an appropriate place for that it wasn't incredibly hard hitting there wasn't a lot of gunplay but it was very pivotal in the terms of the entire series so that's what i put as number six number five i will put at pilgrim's fight at his gang's bar with the white supremacists in episode 10 this fight was interesting i didn't bring this up before but the head of the gang or whatever we're going to call it, was actually the cop that was in Person of Interest. So if you go back and watch Person of Interest, it's the same guy, poor guy, and he just gets pummeled. I think there's some CGI at the end because his face is so disfigured from the Pilgrim just pummeling him. You guys remember what I'm talking about with the guy's face? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was just brutal. Number five, another brutal fight. I will go with the gym fight. This is when... Punisher just goes off on the Russians and he uses the weights against them and again disfigures the guy's face with it. That Russian wasn't so smart to begin with, but dang, 
that was pretty bad. So that's number four. That was episode five. It was number four fight. Number three. So this is top three fights. Number three was episode 10. I will put as the fight at Valhalla. This is the fight that Billy's gang used rock salt and rubber. What we find out later is rock salt and rubber bullets against Frank. And I have a little note about that. Frank stole some guns to fight back and they actually had bullets in them. So did they plant real guns for him to steal? I don't think they were thinking that much in advance. So I think it's a little plot hole right there. Anyway, the gunfight at Valhalla, I thought that was very well crafted by Billy. I think Frank had to literally go through hell to get to the point where he was thought that he was shooting those three girls later. I think that's a good number three. You have any. You guys have any qualms about where we are so far? Nope. Okay. Number two, I will put the fight at the Lakeville Sheriff Department. That was pretty epic, and it might have been number one fight in any other series, really. It was in episode three, and this was Frank that had to go outside the police station to kill all the Pilgrim's men and uh, shoot the two guys that were lighting and throwing the cocktail, the lighted cocktail into the sheriff's department to save everybody. The suspense was like an episode long. The sheriff had to to give up to Frank. Frank went out and was the one man lone devil that came into town and took care of everything. It was a big fight. So if you like a big fight, episode three is probably one you should watch. And then, like I said, episode one, watch the bar fight. It's incredibly brutal. It's incredibly specific. I think the choreographic crew, the fights and the stunt choreographers were really had their A game on for episode one. They had some planning time beforehand and it really paid off. I do question some of the stuff like you bang a person's head against the sink enough to break the sink off. The the person's head's not going to be attached anymore. But it was brutal, and if you like Punisher fights, I think that's the number one fight. So that is your top 11 fights from the Punisher Season 2. All right. I guess the last thing to say here, let's get into last thoughts. Chris, you have any last thoughts? Honestly, I'm trying to figure out whether this or Iron Fist is a better watch, because the acting is definitely better here, but I think they put together a better story and continuity in Iron Fist. So if you could somehow mash those two together in a good way, I think you'd be set. Yeah, I mean, in Iron Fist, you had ladies that really knew how to fight, though. There were strong female characters, I guess, in this one between Madani and Amy and, and, and Karen, but... They were not strong. They were not depicted as capable. I don't think two women were actually in the room ever talking about anything. No, their besides... Bechdel test grade was a total failure. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. But I would agree with you that overall the acting, the quality of acting was better in the individual scenes. It's just the storyline was... Oh yeah, I mean the actors can only work with what they're given. So, I mean, they're not out there writing it on the fly or anything. Honestly, this is just a mindlessly dumb fun show to watch. So, I mean, if you like the kind of action and everything, go ahead and watch it. Like, I don't regret watching it or anything, but I'm not going to go rushing back to watch it again. But here's the thing. I don't think Marvel really wants a mindless show. I think they want good quality shows. And I, I think they've finally given in to we need everything connected. So we, we need to have that in order for these shows to be impactful. 
Michelle, what do you think? Yeah, I actually do. The reason why I do put this below Iron Fist 2, because in Iron Fist 2, we had Colleen and Misty. They had intriguing storylines. They had great scenes together. This, again, like, when you can skip episodes, when you can watch something at two times speed and still understand what's going on, then you know something's wrong with the writing and the pacing. There was no one who, it just seems as though they did not have anyone like a Kevin Feige come in and go, this is not going to work. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say is, you know, this happened about the time that Stan Lee left us and there was a tribute. There wasn't a cameo of Stan Lee. This is one of the first things that there wasn't a cameo for, but there was a tribute at the very end. You have the Punisher in, this is months after the end of the show. Really? You have the Punisher sitting in a pickup truck and he's ready to go into these, this gang on gang meeting and he's planning on killing everybody and the gangs get in and they're like, Oh, you called this meeting. No, you called this meeting. And then they draw guns on each other. And then Punisher comes in with his stereotypical Punisher guns and his new Punisher vest, might I add. And he comes in and just fires away, you know, fires full clips. And it's the iconic Punisher pose in a vaulted warehouse. Full of brown skinned men. Yes. I'm glad you said that. You have all that going on. And it fades to black. So a lot wrong with that scene to begin with. But then the next thing that's up on the screen is, quote, in loving memory of Stan Lee, unquote. So you've just had the Punisher go into a room, guns blazing, kill three, four dozen guys. And then you say in loving memory of Stan Lee. Now, I get how the Punisher was iconic and Stan Lee had a part in everything, but I just don't think that's a, an appropriate tribute. I had issues with that when I saw it and still do. And off the top of my head, I don't remember if the timing just works out weird to where they could have had everything done and just put that in because it's Marvel. They have to do something. It could have let the credits roll for a little bit and then done it because then there would have been a space between here's Punisher doing that followed by this touching moment. I think being able to have the credits in between, because you could, it's appropriate to have something like that at the end of the credit. Or a mid credit scene. And it's not like, or like a, a picture of Stan in a Punisher sort of, I don't know, panel or something. I mean, he did a bunch of appearances throughout his life. Something like that, I think would have been appropriate, but no, they had it right after the Punisher killed a bunch of people. They didn't show the people getting killed, but it's the inference there. So anyway, uh, okay. I've gotten all that off my chest. I feel much better. How about you guys? Yeah. I'm going to be so glad to go back and watch WandaVision again. <laughs> A little, little comfort food, WandaVision. Yep. So speaking of that on Disney Plus, we did complete WandaVision. We have some feedback from that episode last week later on in the show, but next Sunday, we will be covering Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think it's just episode one. I don't think they're going to do two episodes, but they might. Whatever airs on Friday on Disney Plus, we will cover on our next episode next Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern at Geeks.Live. All right, let's get into some news, guys.
we're first going to discuss some of the highlights from the Disney Investor Day, which was on December 10th, 2020. Yeah, I've been teasing this for quite some time. We have not had a chance to talk about it because we got so excited with WandaVision that we kind of forgot to talk about it. And we wanted to talk about it with Lauren. She's not going to be here, so we wanted to talk about it anyway. So on December 10th, 2020, there was a very unusual thing that it turned into a big, huge announcement platform. Kevin Feige had a platform there to announce some new things which was interesting. Now, given 2020 and the fact that there was no other platforms to announce, and this was like the first time that Disney had a chance to announce new movies and new series on Disney Plus, I guess it just all worked out that way. So there was a lot of Disney announcements, Disney Plus price increase. They announced the new international streaming service Star, which launched last month on February 23rd internationally. Uh, They talked about some National Geographic stuff, including a series called Limitless with Chris Hemsworth. And there was some Hulu content because remember, Disney owns the majority of Hulu now. So there's a lot of Hulu announcements as well. Uh, but for most Marvel fans, if you're a fan of this show, if you listen to this show, you're probably interested in, in one of two things here or both. And they did have some Star Wars announcements. They had uh, some Disney Plus Star Wars announcements where they went through a lot of new shows that I don't think were announced prior to the Investor's Day. You had Obi-Wan Kenobi, which had been rumored for a while, but this was the firm green lighting of it. You had Rangers of the New Republic. You have Ashoka with Rosaria Dawson, who's Night Nurse here on the Defender shows. You had Andor, which I'm just going to put my foot down and say I have no interest whatsoever in watching Andor. If you're into rogue one Andor is the backstory to that i just i'm at the point where i don't want any more backstory with star wars so you have the star wars the bad batch star wars visions lando the acolyte and a droid story which i believe is an animated version and you also have a new movie that was announced called rogue squadron and i'm really excited about rogue squadron right there so over on marvel they announced three new series on disney plus one was secret invasion with samuel l jackson another was Ironheart with Dominique Thorne as the genius inventor behind her version of the Iron Man suit. And you also have Armored Wars, which is uh, basically War Machine and Rhodey that will be starring in that. Uh, I don't remember if these series are just supposed to be one series or not. I know Kevin Feige after that, after the Investor Day has come out and say that they're starting to look at shows with more than one season wandavision i think would be incredibly difficult to come back for a season two for just the way the show was formatted but uh i think we might be seeing multi-seasons of these series what do you guys think about these three new series michelle you got a favorite there iron heart i was able to read some of the comic with her as a character i like that idea so that one that one intrigues me I think Secret Invasion might delve a little bit more into the Agents of Sword, but who knows? After WandaVision, I don't know if Sword's going to be around any time around. I don't know. What about you, Chris? I mean, it's definitely between Secret Invasion and Ironheart for me on which one I would like better, but their choice is like 1A and 1B. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Rhodey because of, of that sort of stuff, but I did read the comic Ironheart, and I, I did enjoy the character. I'm a little bit hesitant on Secret Invasion because I just don't know. Like I said, I just don't know what they're going to do with that. 
Uh, this is on top of the existing series. We just covered WandaVision. That just completed. We're going to start covering the Falcon and the Winter Soldier next. You also have the Loki series, the animated series What If. You have the Miss Marvel series. You have Hawkeye with Haley Steinfeld and uh, shockingly with Jeremy Renner coming on board there. We've discussed our issues with having Jeremy coming back. You have She-Hulk. You have Mark Ruffalo is supposedly coming in on that one. Moon Knight. And I, you know, everybody that's into Marvel comics are so excited about Moon Knight. It's probably the most excited show of the ones that are coming up that I hear about. What do you think, Michelle, on that Moon Knight? That's fine. She-Hulk. I wanted She-Hulk in the Avengers, not just Black Widow. She-Hulk was an Avenger. There's been a whole bunch of Avengers. The roster of the Avengers is very long. So, yes, she could have been in the movie. Oh, I am a big Tatiana Mussolini is an amazing actor. She was Orphan Black, where she played multiple versions of the same character because they were all clones. I am really looking forward to that one. That's fair. I would hazard a guess that all of these series will be hits. I don't think we're going to see an Iron Fist or Punisher series here where it's going to be a flop i think they're all going to be hits because i think with kevin feige involved because they are technically part of the mcu i think he's going to give them enough creative direction to make sure that things go good uh there's also two other series the guardians of the galaxy holiday special which i hope is better than the star wars holiday special and i am groot which is going to be a bunch of shorts on groot and i don't know if we've heard if it's going to be teenage groot or if it's going to be Full-grown Groot or small Groot. I don't know. We'll see. What about you, Chris? Any of those shows? The one I'm the most excited about is What If? Because they don't have to worry about continuity for anything. They can just kind of go. You know, you've got your stable of What If What If stories that already exist in the comics, but who says that they're going to limit themselves to that? They can just make up something completely different, completely new now. And if that episode happens to be a flop, it doesn't really matter because it doesn't tie into anything else. I'm looking forward to all of them. So, Oh, me too. I'm going to be all over it. They reiterated all the future titles as well for the feature films. They did announce Ant-Man and the Wasp 3. They announced a Fantastic Four movie. We've covered those before, actually, on this show. Uh, and that is in addition to the existing titles, Black Widow, which is still coming out in May. We'll see how that is going to be distributed. You have Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. You have Eternals, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which is just starting filming now. Thor, Love and Thunder. And you have Jane Foster coming on board again. Black Panther 2, we speculated quite a bit on that and tried to cover all of the news that has come out about Black Panther 2 since all of the changes on that. We'll see what the storyline actually ends up being with that blade which will be interesting to have blade in the mcu captain marvel 2 and guardians of the galaxy 3 so that is the movies that are on the slate now or as of the investor day anyway and there will be more i just don't see marvel and disney stopping this because it is a cash cow for them all right anything else about the investor days you guys yeah i've heard thor love and thunder is filming there's been some pictures coming out with that. That's 
good that some filming is happening like with Thor and Doctor Strange and Disney. Just give us Black Widow on Disney Plus and have us pay $30 for it. I've been saying this for a year. I'm going to keep saying it for a year. I live in an area of the United States that does not understand the value of masks. And some of them might not be understanding the value of vaccinations. So my urge to actually go to a theater in May is not high right now. I can see them doing a dual track where they would pay 30 bucks at home versus whatever it costs going into the theater and both. I, I see a dual release at this point, but I don't know. They haven't officially announced anything, so we'll see. Chris, what do you think about the upcoming movies? I'm really excited for Captain Marvel 2. I mean, that's the big one for me. I don't know why I've just latched onto Captain Marvel as a character, so anything they can do with her, I'm going to be excited about. Right with you. And it's not just because it's Brie Larson, although that doesn't hurt. Yeah, of course, Captain Marvel 2, especially after WandaVision, because we saw Photon or Spectrum, whichever name they're going to give Monica come about. I mean, they all seem very intriguing, these films. So if you listener have any comments about the Disney Day announcements or any of the upcoming series that we just talked about, let us know. We're going to move on to some Marvel Studios news, and we're talking about Avengers in-game at the box office. Yeah, so uh, there was a lot of posts over the past of the couple of days. Apparently, Avatar was re-released in the China theaters, and it made enough to overtake Endgame as the highest all-time grossing film worldwide. Michelle, you've done some further analysis of the numbers here, though. There's something called inflation, and that's when at one point a dollar bought so much, and then now a dollar doesn't buy as much. So when you adjust for inflation, the top grossing film worldwide is still gone with the wind at $3.8 billion. And then you have Titanic at 3.4. I know Avatar is going to get up there, but it still has not overtaken Gone with the Wind until something actually reaches $3.8 billion globally. Gone with the Wind's going to uh, stick around. All right. That's fair. That's fair. So my thoughts on the Endgame versus Avatar jostling right now, the only winner here is Disney and Disney stockholders, and here's why. They own both properties, and it just enables a bidding war for both fandoms. Like, if you're a hardcore Marvel fan, you're like, I can't I hate Avatar. I want to go and make sure Endgame is number one. So then they release Endgame to the theaters, so... People go see that, so it makes more money than Avatar. Then they'll do the same thing with Avatar in the markets that like Avatar, like China, for instance, and then it makes more money. So it's just a money-grabbing scheme right now from Disney. And the pandemic doesn't hurt things right now in that aspect because there's very few new movies out there. So what do you do? Well, you release the big hits again. That's what people go to see. In my opinion, the only way to win here is not to play the game and just watch the movie at home. That's just my aspect of it. I don't know, Chris, what do you think of all this? Go see it at your local AMC. This isn't financial advice. (laughs) So you're a big Avatar fan. I mean, honestly, I like Endgame more, but Avatar is not bad either. And if you're going to have to re-release a movie 
that long afterwards to get it to pass another one in earnings, it's pretty obvious why you're doing it. Also to remind people that it exists because James Cameron has been taking a billion years to release Avatar 2. And there's that. Yeah, he was having that problem before Disney bought him out. And Disney bought him out and Disney's probably getting very impatient with James. Here's the other thing I was thinking, though. In the Avatar movie, it's a very specific time frame and, and amounts of technology and stuff like that. Not only in making the movie, but actually in the movie, you know, the futuristic taking over Avatar bodies, that sort of thing. They might just want to wait a little bit so that technology advances enough, another five, ten years or something like that in order to make the next movie. So maybe they're not all gung-ho about making the next Avatar. They've got enough irons in the fire with Marvel and Star Wars, Pixar and everything else. I mean, there's Disney Plus. If you have you have Disney Plus and you haven't really perused all of the titles that are on Disney Plus, they own a lot of properties right now. Just saying. And finally, we have Chloe Bennett news. Yeah, this is important because Chloe Bennett played Quake on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So this news might actually mean a little bit more than just the casting. So the Powerpuff Girls is a new series that's coming to CW and they're filming a pilot and Chloe Bennett was cast as one of the Powerpuff Girls for that pilot. Because of this, if the series picked up or not, it just tells me that Chloe Bennett, as an actor, is doing other things and is not in line to reprise her role as Quake inside the MCU. Now, it could be off by that. I mean, actors do a lot of other things and they come back to the properties that they've been doing. This is just a pilot. It's not like the series has been picked up. But to me, and Ming-Na, she's done Star Wars stuff, and she's done other Disney stuff, but that's all, all in the Disney umbrella, like Mulan and stuff. So I just think that this is another indicator that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is not going to be referred to again in the MCU. Just an indicator. That's it. And congratulations to Chloe for getting cast in something else. If Disney's not going to use her, go off, do something else that is along your talents. She's incredibly athletic. She's done a lot of her own stunts. I think she'll do well in another action series, but I just want to say that, and this is according to deadline. The news came out on, on this past week. So I don't know that that's my thoughts of it. I'm interested to hear what you guys think of it. Yeah. Good for her. And because it's the CW, it does signal leaving the Marvel because when you sign on to do a pilot, you're expecting it to get picked up. And if it gets picked up, you're signed on to anywhere from a year to three year to five to seven year contracts. There's an expectation that if it goes to series, she's going to be busy. The way Marvel has Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. set up, I mean, it's not saying that she could never come back to anything like that, too. But also, just the idea of Powerpuff Girls being a live-action series, that's my childhood, and it doesn't sit right. Yeah, I have to admit. I mean, how are they going to do Mojo Jojo? Mojo Jojo! <laughs> I was never a huge Powerpuff Girls watcher, so I don't know what you guys are talking about, but I will assume that you guys know what you're talking about, and yeah, agree with you. You should watch an episode. I think you might actually enjoy it. Maybe. And that's all we have for the news. 
we're going to do feedback. We have Twitter and we had a poll of, of something. Yeah. The Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Twitter account put out a poll of which was your favorite Disney Plus series to date, WandaVision or Mandalorian? And with 13 votes, we had 69.2% of the respondents say they liked WandaVision better than The Mandalorian, which just came in at 30.8%. Of course, I think this poll is kind of biased because this Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., so a lot of Marvel fans follow Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. versus... Star Wars fans, so there is that. But it said, I mean, we had some responses here. I, I want to read a couple of the responses. So we had a response from Runa who said, Mando is enjoyable and Grogu is super cute, but I don't find it very exciting for the most part. Hmm. I mean, yeah, Baby Yoda, and it wasn't exciting to her. I personally like the Mandalorian, but uh, okay, there you go. Mr. Paraclete said one vision is great, but feel like Mandalorian gave me more awesome moments. To be fair, Mando had two seasons, our lower expectations going in to accomplish it. So it's not exactly apples to apples, more like frog eggs to breakfast for dinner. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Frog eggs. There you go. So yeah, th- there was some feedback on that. What do you guys think? WandaVision or Mandalorian? I'll throw that to Chris first. I liked WandaVision better. I mean, I liked Mandalorian. I liked going into that, not instantly kind of knowing where they were going, but I just really liked seeing how they made WandaVision move along. And I was actually really enjoying the fact that they did it week to week instead of dropping it all at once. WandaVision has more we watch value than Mandalorian. I did like Mandalorian's lone wolf and cub feel. But WandaVision was just something new, and I was just not expecting that level of writing and performances, and yeah. I don't think you could go wrong with either answer, personally, but uh, if I had to answer this, and I did not vote in it, but if I had to answer it, I'd go with Mandalorian, just because I'm more of a sci-fi guy than I'm a Marvel Comics guy, but they were both really good series. We also had some feedback from our last episode on WandaVision, and we had some issues with Monica Rambeau. And there was some news that came out on this in the past week since the finale. So I just want to take some time and go through it. So we had Adana Girl reply, and she said, regarding the boner moment, I'm an 80s child. So to quote Cap, I understood that reference. And she linked a screenshot from a slash film article. And the paragraph here does a lot to explain what went on. So I'm just going to quote this quote. One of the changes was Monica Rambeau's role in the finale. The rogue sword agent and newly empowered hero curiously didn't have much to do in the finale apart from uncover the secret behind Ralph Boner, which was a reference to growing pains, which Matt Shackman starred in as a child actor. Matt Shackman was the director for all of the WandaVision series. And give Wanda a tender parting piece of validation. We built and rebuilt so many different versions of how Monica would function in the finale, Shackman said. She had in some versions a much bigger role to play in the larger fight than that was happening, unquote. So this gets to the point where you had the pandemic, you had to change some things in the filming, you had some actors that weren't available apparently 
that Darcy Cat Dennings was not available because they had to shift the filming times around. I think there could have been some isolation issues with the pandemic as well. But they did go ahead and acknowledge that the finale in the last couple of episodes were reshaped because of the pandemic. And one of the issues was Monica Rambeau, which we all had issues with. And now, Chris, you did not have a chance last week to say anything because you weren't here about Monica Rambeau. What did you think of her use in the finale? I was wishing it could be more just like this, but everything that's coming out right now, I'm just assuming is a pandemic related issue if people aren't there. Yeah, I know we we covered that and we, you know, that's one of the reasons why we're getting Falcon and the Winter Soldier after WandaVision is because of the reshoots that they've had to do and the COVID issues, especially since that is a stunt heavy and trying to do stunts in the middle of a pandemic, difficult? Yeah, we also had Andy Migna tweet us, and he said, uh, regarding Darcy, I remember at the Eric Goldman speculating because of the pandemic and possibly scheduling conflicts, she might have not have been able to be on set for later episodes. So I'd have to go back and, and look at Eric Goldman's statements, but I'll just assume that to be true based on everything. And as a matter of fact, her scene... I thought, and we didn't cover this last time, it could have been filmed beforehand. They could have just taken it and then done some CGI and maybe some ADR with her and made it appear that she was there. She might not have been on set for that final shot there. I don't know. So yeah, we recognize that, but it was okay. We do have some dangling plot threads, and we hope that a large majority of them will still be tied up once they get all the way through to Doctor Strange, because I don't think there's going to be a WandaVision Season 2. So, yeah. Thanks, everybody, for commenting back on our WandaVision episode. Hey, well, that's all of our feedback. And we're going to hop in our truck and get ready for Falcon and a Winter Soldier. Chris, thank you very much for joining us tonight. It was great to have you in the seat. Great to have you with us. And uh, thank you for. for going through the Punisher another time. It was a rather punishing experience, but I think it was worth it in the end. <laughs> so thank you very much for that. And I want to thank our listeners for sticking with us. We really appreciate that. If you haven't had a chance to review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, we do ask you to do that. It puts some wind in our sails as we go forward. Yeah, I'd like to thank everyone who interacts with us and who listened to this therapy session because it was either for me, it was either going to be this type of therapy session or to quote my mom's take. It was boring. (laughs) But we waited to the end for your mom's take this week until next time. I'm producer of the show, director SP. I'm agent Michelle. And I'm consultant Chris. We'll see everybody next time. Bye. Bye. Falcon winter soldier. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. 
The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. I'm all right. How are you? I'm very excited that uh, my CPU is running right now at 8%. It's good. Much better than last time we tried this. Yeah. It's new CPU and GPU, right? Oh, I just replaced the whole computer. Yeah. So, yes. (laughs) Also, congratulations. I think this is the first video thing I will have done with my glasses instead of wearing my contacts. Yeah. Cool. It doesn't look like you have any reflections on them or anything, so you've chosen wisely. I have the light way over here and then another one kind of behind me. So pretty good setup for that. So glad to finish out the Punisher and then I can watch something else on the treadmill. (laughs) I didn't know what to do. You know, when I finished yesterday, I didn't know what to do. So I started watching all the Star Wars movies again where I left off, uh, finished Empire Strikes Back. I'm in the middle of uh, Return of the Jedi. but I'm, I need to decide where to go from here. The Expanse? Yeah, I've been trying to save that for not on the treadmill, though. Because if I'm on the treadmill, oh. you know, I, I, so I can miss part of it. And I've actually got a really decent system in there. It's a really cool 5.1 surround sound. And you really do get the behind you. Because I put speakers behind me and stuff on both the elliptical and the treadmill. And the screen is a decent size 1080 screen. It's not 4K, but it's 1080. So it's really sharp and it would work, but I'm worried about my intentions. So that's, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe what I will do is I will start with season one of The Expanse and march forward until I get to the point where I need to watch new shows. And then I'll start watching that somewhere else. Rewatches are fun. For some reason, I'm doing I'm doing a rewatch of The Magicians because of a conversation I had with my D and D group. Hmm. So, <laughs> well, I'm still watching Stargate SG One while I'm like making meals and stuff. So, still doing that. See, if I was on the treadmill though, I'd probably want to go for just like some jungle nature cam, and then when the predators come, have something to run away from. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what: if you watch something with a lot of action scenes in it, the action scenes do help you. Because you're like, okay, you know, I'm in it and everything, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna get away from it, or this is jazzing me up, or something like that. It's just with the Punisher, it was a lot of lulls in between the fights, and yeah, that was tough. Save it for the show. I will. Chris, thank you very much for coming on board. Hey, anytime. So, have you bought a new house? Are you still in the market? We need to. So last year when I said I was going on a break, Kaylee ended up starting making masks and I have no idea how many she made for people because I can't count that high, but she would just leave them on the front porch. And anytime we had food delivered or she'd put it up in the neighborhood Facebook group and people would just come grab them. So it was constantly, she'd try to have like 10 adult and 10 kid size masks out there. Mm. And she was just constantly refilling that box. And so all of our time in getting the house ready to sell was taken up by that, taken mm-hmm. up by me doing my podcast stuff because she was out there sewing things. 
And now um, the market just kind of over here says, we need to hurry up and get on this. or We're going to be stuck in this house for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I'm feeling the, the uh, crunch myself. I, there's no way that I'm going to be able to get everything done this year. So I'm into next year at this point, which is unfortunate. I've got some concrete work I need to get done and I need to have some foundation ceiling done at a crack. I've fixed the wall issue. The foundation needs to, so it's, it, there's just no way that I'm going to be able to afford all that this year. The good thing for us is we don't really have any major repairs. We just have getting crap out of the house so that people can see it. And that's easy. You just give yourself a storage unit and throw stuff in it. Yeah, and we've got started there. We're planning on getting a bigger one anyway, so maybe small children can be a thing. I don't know. We're not at the spot where we've said it's not going to happen, but we're not at the spot where we said it is going to happen either. Okay. Well, good luck with all that. Thank you. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2020.